Exurga Deus dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiantio deruntium a facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. We're going to do something different with our prayer this morning because that chime, at least for me, was the chime of the Angelus. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Angelus Domini nunciavit Mariae et concavit Spiritus Sancto. Ave Maria gratia plena Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ece anquila Domini, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Et verbum caro factum est, et habitavit in nobis. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ora pro nobis sancta Dei genetrix ut digne ficiamur promissionibus Christi. Oremus. Gratiam tuum caesimus domini mentibus nostris infundi, ut qui angolo nuntiante Christi filii tui incarnationem cognovimus per passionem eius et crucem ad resurrectionis gloriam perdecamur. Periundum Christum dominum nostrum. Amen. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> so this is kind of an impromptu thing, because I already recorded tonight's episode. Um, and you will have heard it. Like, it's actually going to, this is actually going to post right after tonight's episode. Um, and in fact, actually, this is going to be kind of rare, because in a 24-hour period, I will have actually probably recorded five, four or five episodes, um, which is definitively abnormal for my recording schedule. But there was a fun story that came up, and I'm going to take that fun story and make it a little bit more serious and posit a few hypotheses, because there's just some stuff I happen to know, and there's a bunch of stuff I don't know, <clears throat> but if what they say is true then what we think we know isn't. Speaking about science. All right, so if you're like me at all, then chances are at some point you heard about the hollow earth theory. And I got to be honest with you, that based on if what the observations are and what they say is about to happen happens, then I am going to be one step closer to the hollow earth theory, or at least the theory that instead of magma in the middle of the earth, it's probably something akin to hell. Why? Simple. <clears throat> in the basic science classes, when we talk about the way the earth is assembled, like how, how everything's pieced together, so you got the crust, 
So, so you got the crust and on the crust, you've got, you know, the land and the ocean and this, that, and the other. And then below the crust, because you eventually get to solid stuff, then you got what they call the mantle. And then under the mantle, you start to get the lava. And I love saying lava as lava instead of lava, because um, it just sounds weird. It's cool. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but then, but like you get to the lava and you get to the magma and the molten metal. And this is actually the key thing of import is that scientists have largely hypothesized that the core of the Earth is molten metal because when you take into account the rotation of the Earth and the fact that all of the layers of the Earth are going to be moving at slightly different speeds, you want proof of this, all you actually got to do is just go outside during a windy day. The air, though it largely rotates with the Earth, moves at a different pace than the Earth. The same is true for water, which is how you get the currents, and the same is also true for molten well any kind of liquid any liquid so um or i let me not say liquid let me get more precise with my speech any fluid so that's gases and liquids any fluid because fluid dynamics actually applies to all of it now hydrodynamics is set you know you can't necessarily predict a particular i mean you most of the time you can predict based on how you build things but you can't really predict how fluids you didn't build are going to react um, because you didn't build them. And so you don't know how they're configured. You know, the hard spots and they say, you know, certain warmer and cooler spots and all that other stuff. Anyway, the reason why they posit that the Earth's core is molten metal or largely molten metal is because as the Earth rotates, the friction between between the friction and the rotation and the movement and metal against metal, this, that and the other. The supposition, which I'm now, I can't be like, I've always just kind of believed this was true, but I now actually kind of have to back off of it a little bit. The supposition was that that rotation and the various speeds of rotation in the molten metal and inside the core of the earth, where everything is hot and hot and melted and supposedly metal, the, the motion of metal against metal is what actually generates the magnetic field. Now, you can test this. Well, I mean, you might be able to test it. You can kind of test it um, in various ways. And this is actually like, like when you're going about creating a magnetic field and you're trying to send electrons and this, that, and the other, and you can do various things with heat. And there's a bunch of experiments that you can do that can generally confirm the hypothesis that these things actually generate this kind of field, etc. And so the magnetic field of the Earth with the you know with the with the flux line with the flux lines the magnetic waves and all that other stuff is generally like it's generally been considered that it is due to the different rotations of or the different rotational speeds of the different layers and and components of the magma inside molten core of the earth now we have a problem because we have three laws of motion and these are not theories these are laws. The difference between a theory, like, okay, so you have the theory of general relativity and you have the theory of special relativity. And the reason why it's been upgraded to theory and it's not just a guess or a hypothesis is because it's testable and it's generally consistent. But the reason why the theory of relativity is not an absolute is because it doesn't account for the things that go into quantum theory where everything that's supposed to happen according to relativity, even between general and special relativity, get a little bit wonky and then proceed to not happen and instead happen as quanta instead. 
And I know I just said instead twice. The laws, the law of thermodynamics, the law of motion, the, the three laws of motion, these things are provable everywhere all the time, no matter what. And the laws of motion cause a problem for the best guess that the Earth's core is metal. Because if the magnetic field is is created because of, of the different rotational speeds of the various layers and components of the, of the mantle, of the, of the mantle, magma, etc., then what is happening beneath the surface of the Earth that the poles are moving? Because objects in motion remain in motion unless acted upon, and objects at stasis remain static unless unless acted upon. And I don't remember getting hit with a giant F-off meteor to knock our poles out of whack because it, because it managed to shift the rotation of a ridiculously large body of land, sea, and supposedly molten metal, to cause a shift in the Earth's magnetic field. I know we're cockeyed about 23 degrees. But what is moving? Like, no joke. There has to be something moving, acting on, probably through the magnetic field itself. There has to be something moving on the magnetic field to cause the molten rotation, you know, all of the rotation of the molten guts of the Earth, to, to change in order to shift the magnetic field. And if you've ever had to deal with like electromagnets and magnets um, or magnetos like the, the, or the generators in a car, or if you've ever done something silly like take a bicycle wheel and hold it between your legs and spin the wheel and then try to turn it and then hit your, and, you know, and then hit your bicep or, 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 the bottom, or the bottom of your tricep with the wheel as it torques its way out of your hands or tries to anyway then you understand what I'm talking about here because in order to move that rotate that rotating mass and get the plane of rotation to shift you got to be talking about a monster change in motion and it would take some and it would take something ridiculously immense to move to pull the magnetic pole and shift the rotation such that it would actually move and change the rotation of the molten of the molten rotating metal with it within the core of the earth and that is why i have an issue because if that is happening we got a problem because the only way that you change the poles to invert to where North Pole becomes South Pole, South Pole becomes North Pole, is you change the rotation of the metals. You change, you literally change the motion of the molten metal in the core to match the to match the magnetic field. Well, what happens if you change what 
4,000. Uh, 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 give me just a second. I got to run some numbers. I wasn't expecting to do this. I probably should have been a little bit more prepared. All right. So let's see. 4,000 times 3.14. We can just go short. Uh, no, 4,000 is the diameter, isn't it? Crap. Let's find out. Diameter of Earth. Thank you. It's like it new. Yeah, okay, so 4,000 so pi r squared. Okay, cool. So, what is that? Let's move that out of the way. 7917.5 times. Oh, it would be so nice. Can we get. Uh, whoops. What are we doing here? Um, man, I wish there was a little thing I could click to get a different mode. Anyway. Um, whoops. Clear everything because I botched that one up. 79. 17.5 divided by 2 equals 2 squared times 3.14. Maronda mia. That's, that is a really big number. <clears throat> Okay. How large do you think the force has to be? Divided by 5280 equals that's wrong. Times 5280 equals times 5280 equals now there we go divided by three equals okay there we go much better <clears throat> how much force magnetic force by the way all of those numbers if you're not tracking i got it i, I understand what i did was i just calculated the volume of the earth and then converted that volume because it was originally in miles converted it into yards so this way i get cubic yards and every cubic yard, typically, approximately, of Earth weighs one ton. Two thousand, right around two thousand pounds. So every for every cubic yard is one ton. The Earth is approximately eighty-six billion tons. In fact, actually. 86.6 billion tons. Think about that for just a moment. Now, I'm an aircraft mechanic, and so I habitually deal with numbers like 60,000 pounds of thrust, 120,000 pounds of thrust. We are actually, like, no joke, we're talking about a force that is inflicting 86 billion tons of force. If I were to convert that into horsepower times 2,000, 
Let's see. Tons. Yeah. So times 2000. There we go. So we get to pounds. Divided by 33,000. That's how you get your horsepower. <clears throat> there is a force acting on the earth. That is at least 5.2 billion horsepower acting on the magnetic field of acting on the magnetic field of the earth. Now we may not necessarily know that it's changing because they're like, Oh, well the shift is actually kind of slow enough, except for we get the earthquakes and the volcanoes and this, that, and the other. Huh. Now they're talking about in the course of a year, <clears throat> in the course of a year, the poles may shift as much as 7,000 miles. And just so you know, 5.2 billion horsepower is what you would need to move a foot. Let me say that again. 5.2 billion horsepower is what you would need to move a foot to change the rotation of the core of the earth enough to ship. <clears throat> now, mind you, the, the operating assumption is, and here's where it gets really wild. The operating assumption is, is, or my operating assumption is, is that in order for this to just be randomly happening, something actually has to be pulling on the magnetic field of the earth to actually cause the change in rotation. Okay. And if that is in fact the case, then you're losing significant amounts of power because you actually have to have an output power. The brake horsepower has to be 5.2 billion horsepower to shift the poles of the earth to actually make everything that's rotating inside. That's actually causing Now, mind you, there are some other things to keep in mind. If you're moving with 5.2 billion horsepower, how much friction do you think that's actually, like, no joke, how much friction do you think that's actually causing? We're talking, we're talking about something, like, you're not just going to move the magnetic poles without changing the rotation of the planet. Or at a minimum, changing the pitch, that tilt. Because you know how we got, like, that 23 degree tilt um, in our rotation around the sun. By the time this is done, if the scientists guess at this point is right, that pitch may not be 23 degrees anymore. I would assume that if you're moving a mass that's 80, 82 billion freaking, whoa, hi. <laughs> anyway, you're <laughs> 5 billion horsepower. Like no joke at this point. It's it, it like, this is actually one of those sets of numbers where you look and you go, this is insulting to the horse, 5 billion horsepower to change, to move, to change the rotation of, to change the inner, not even the outer rotation of the earth, the inner rotation of the earth, 5.2 billion horsepower. What do you think that's going to do to the rest of the earth to all of us on top? Anything that's going to do to the winds. Now, if nothing wild and out of control, like the earth starting to come apart at the seams, which honestly, every time I try to imagine moving the, moving the poles and the resulting and the resulting forces, 
all I keep seeing is brand new tectonic plates. Like the tectonic plates, as we understand them today, just cracking, you know, in thirds and half and in, you know, maybe as many as 12, 12, 15, 20, 100 pieces and brand new fault lines being being introduced to the exterior of the earth, complete with volcanoes, new rings of fire, the whole nine yards. Because that is what I understand of fluid dynamics. That's what I understand of the mechanical forces involved. It's kind of the benefit of being of, of, of having the field that I'm in today is because I can actually and I can actually see how that would actually play out. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because they're saying something about a solar storm, a minor solar storm knocked 40 of the 48 satellites that Elon Musk just launched in uh, the Starlink satellites that he just launched out. They're saying that a minor solar storm knocked those 40 satellites out out of the sky. And somehow, and this is actually like, I don't think a lot of people understand how much crap is up in space, how many satellites we actually have up in space. Because this is actually how crazy this sounds. They're going, hey, it was a minor solar storm managed to slide through an opening in the magnetic field and hit those 40 satellites as they were on their way up to move themselves into orbit. Bruh. We have tens of thousands of satellites. If you look at the satellite layout, of all of the debris on our, of all of the debris that's currently in orbit from low earth orbit out to the more outer orbits. And I say more outer orbits, cause we're not really talking about like outer orbit. <clears throat> all of the satellites that currently orbit the earth, when you plot them on a map makes it makes the earth look like he's like, it's wearing a sombrero because you got moat, the highest concentration coming up, going around the equator for obvious reasons, maximum coverage, et cetera. And then you, and then because, you know, the North, the Northern hemisphere actually has all of the busyness. I mean, like you literally, like you've got only about what, two thirds of South America and maybe two thirds of Africa and then Australia in the Southern hemisphere. When, when you're talking about inhabited landmass, whereas you have all of Europe, all of Asia and all of, of, well, a third of South America. And then all of Central America and North America in the Northern Hemisphere. So obviously, there's going to be way more satellites up top. And while launching satellites into this very crowded space at a lower Earth orbit than most other satellites, because I've looked at I've looked at where they where Starlink is actually getting placed, like they're actually in a pretty clear layer of Earth orbit. So you're telling me that a solar storm cut right through in a pocket of the sombrero of satellites going around the earth and knocked 40 out of the, out of the 48 satellites out of the, out of their motion and sent them crashing down into the earth. And you might've actually even seen the video on, on like uh, Twitter or YouTube or whatever, because that was actually kind of a big deal. You're telling me that a solar storm cut through like a knife and just tag and hit the, and hit the Starlink satellites. Honestly, I'm not thinking so. If, I were a guessing man. Starlink was attacked. If I were a guessing man, they lost 40 satellites, 40 
satellites in one launch. That's kind of a big deal. That's a really big deal. That was a very expensive, like it was hugely expensive. <clears throat> now, why is the solar storm on the docket? Well, because somebody was talking about, well, if the solar storm was able to penetrate through the Earth's magnetic magnetic field, magnetosphere, then there's got to be something going on with the magnetosphere. And if there's something going on with the magnetosphere, um, hello, we might be in trouble. And then came up the supposition that the poles were about to shift, which launched that whole tirade of billions and billions of horsepower required to change the rotation of all of the magnetic material in the core of the Earth. And mind you, can't be some of it. It actually kind of has to be all of it. Like you're, you're either going to lose the pole entirely because, because of a completely disordered system that's now tumbling instead, excuse me, now tumbling instead of spinning. <clears throat> or you manage to move the whole thing by basically taking the equivalent of a giant magnet pole and just sticking it through, sticking it through the, the center of rotation and just turning everything that's rotating magnetically. which would result in the problems that I just mentioned. Drastic changes to the surface of the earth. Huge. Act of God, extinction level event type stuff. Now, if that is in fact the case, and the scientists are right, then this is probably an act of God because there's nothing out there that we've seen to justify this move. There's nothing out there that's managing to pull on one pole or push on one pole or both push on one pole and pull on the other to cause a change in that kind of, like no joke, there's nothing out there that we've seen. And if I were a scientist, I would probably actually take a look. Because if that is in fact the case, like, and I got it. Some people are like, well, it may not necessarily need that. Well, then our entire understanding about how we generate magnetic fields is wrong. Or even if that's not wrong, then our entire theory of what's in the center of the earth is wrong. So you're going to have to pick a few things. Either we look for what it is that's affecting the magnetic poles, the North and South Pole, and our magnetic field as a whole. Or we can see that we've got no idea what's under the surface of the Earth. And in truth, it might actually be less expensive for us to get a drilling rig and just drill our way down and go find out. Not even joking. No matter what, something doesn't match. Am I saying that the earth is hollow? No. In all honesty, I believe that there's something out there that's actually, that's actually pinned itself to our, to our mag, the, the rotation that generates our magnetic field, pinned itself to the magnetic field and is actually pulling on the earth if, in fact, the magnetic field is moving. 
I assume the magnetic field is moving because I got to keep recalibrating the compasses on my computer or excuse me, on my, on my GPS system because it keeps getting out of whack. Like every, like almost every year now I've had to recalibrate my, I've had to recalibrate my compass twice in uh, since I moved to Montana. That's kind of a big deal. So I've got enough evidence that shows, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe the magnetic poles are moving. But what I know of the Earth's composition, based on what I've been taught, that shouldn't be possible. Certainly not to the degree that it is moving. And and to be honest, not without tremendously more dramatic changes in our environment than are currently happening. Like, no joke, if the Earth's pole moves five degrees, five degrees only, that would be enough torque to crack both the northern and southern hemispheres and basically break off the polar caps, like like the actual caps, break them off and set them to spit and set them to floating. Now, floating means something different, but that would mean that there's there should be like earthquakes pretty much every two to three days in Canada. Earthquakes every two to three days coming out of Antarctica. Dramatic earthquakes rocking rocking South America and, and Southern Africa. Like to the point with tsunamis and the whole, like I'm literally to the point with tsunamis and the whole nine, like no joke. Five degrees, totally catastrophic. unless the earth is hollow in which case there's something else moving the poles and that's kind of a really really and that's kind of a really really big deal what are the answers I don't know What I gave you were the facts as I understand them based on a fairly comprehensive understanding of physical nature. And I say physical nature because I'm not a biologist. I'm not like, but I'm a mechanical, I'm a mechanically inclined person and I'm fully familiar with all of the mechanical, um, rules, laws, theories, hypotheses, etc. that would govern this. Why? Because if I wasn't, I wouldn't be all that good of an aircraft mechanic either. <clears throat> what do you think? Because I'm kind of curious. This one actually, like this story, I don't know how much of it is going to prove to be true or in what manner. What I do know is that if the poles shift, we have to completely rethink our cosmology and how the world is built thoroughly because you just don't get this. Like this is not a thing. Objects in motion stay in motion. Objects in station stay in stasis. And there's this thing called... uh, (laughs) 
Man, I just brain farted. There is a thing related to gyroscopic precession. Gracious, spending too much time in the theological, not enough in the scientific. It is the resulting motion from gyroscopic movement. And you're not going to, like, no joke, you're not going to change that without a, like, okay, gyroscopic precession is the reason, well, I don't even know that anybody would notice this, but when when a helicopter is flying straight, if you look straight at the helicopter, the blades of the helicopter are always at an angle. Their plane of rotation looks angular. It's not, but it looks that way. That is a result of gyroscopic precession. You'd, you'll never see a helicopter with the blades. If, it, if the helicopter's moving straight in flight, like straight ahead in flight, you will never see anything except a slightly cockeyed rotation, a slightly cockeyed angle between the helicopter rotor blades and the helicopter itself. That same is true for the rotation of the Earth. And changing that plane of rotation is devastatingly difficult. So if the North Pole suddenly becomes a West Pole, we're all dead. Well, we're not all dead. Some of us will survive, obviously. But it's going to be, but it's, but you're going to wish you were dead. Because you don't just bop off 80, 90 degrees. Like, that's not a thing. Not without drastically changing. And no joke, like, if, if that happens, if the Earth Pole, if the North Pole were to suddenly become a West Pole, then over the course of time, eventually, we would rotate around the sun the way Uranus does. Rolling on the axis, or rolling against the axis, or, excuse me, rolling on the plane of, of orbit, or rolling against the plane of, of orbit. Which actually, I ain't gonna lie, that would actually look pretty dope. You know, you look at the Earth from the sun, and it's, and it's basically doing a moonwalk around its orbital cycle. That'd be kind of cool. <clears throat> But to get there, not even joking. If you were to move the, the North Pole to Mexico City, and the Earth starts rotating around Mexico City, anything on the backside of Mexico City, assuming Mexico City is facing the sun at the time when this rotation happens, anything on the backside will freeze. And Mexico City becomes a desert. Absolute desert. Inhospitable. I really should have actually made this biblical and said if the pole moves to Jerusalem. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Anyway. That's what we're looking at. If the scientists who claim that something big is about to happen with the magnetic with the north and south pole are right no matter what we have to change our cosmology either there's something out there that's pulling on the earth and the earth is made the way we all think it's made or the earth's not made the way we think it's made and it's something else entirely oh and if the earth is made the way we think it's made and the poles shift like that we're screwed like all of these things 
have to be taken into account. I get a lot of people. I, <laughs> it's probably the most entertaining thing is to listen to like, oh, yeah, they're talking about the poles flipping. And I'm like, bro, you have no idea what, what will happen to the earth if that happens. The only way nothing happens to the earth if that happens is if the earth is hollow. Not kidding. The only way nothing happens to the surface of the earth, if the poles were to flip, is if the earth is hollow. Period. Full stop. End of story. And no joke, at that point, it becomes in our best interest to find out exactly what's in the earth, to find out exactly how and how that happened. Like, no joke, at that point, I want to like I want to contract the boring company, Elon Musk's company and be like, yo, I know you're busy doing tunnels and connecting cities and stuff, but I need you to do me a favor and just dig straight down. Straight down until you hit something different. And then when you're done digging straight down and you hit something different, keep digging. Because no joke, we're coming up on a bunch of impossibilities. Things that just don't. <clears throat> now, the cool part is, is that opens up a whole new, whole new theories about science. And a whole bunch of people who are about to find out that they've been wrong about everything. And I'm not even joking, because no matter what in this scenario, if the poles move, no matter what in this scenario, we have to change our understanding of, of the universe. Like the actual physical, mechanical aspects of the universe, we're going to have to change our working theories. And I got to be honest with you. I've said it so many times on this podcast. I want like I want us to be a spacefaring people that I don't want to hear about it was just God. Like that was that is literally that is something that we have to understand so much because no because here's the thing. <clears throat> if it is just God, like God's like, "Okay, we're just change, changing this." That has other ramifications. And don't get me wrong, it's well within his prerogative to do so. But no joke, no matter what, huge portions of how we see the world, what we understand the world to be, have to change. They must change. It doesn't matter how the I would like it. I, and I gotta be honest, I'm, like, I'm not even particularly interested in it. I don't care if the Earth's hollow. I ain't going down there. <clears throat> if there's a giant electromagnet, if there's a supermassive black magnet, <laughs> supermassive black hole being the uh, intonation there for those of you who aren't tracking how, how my brain's working right now. But if there's a supermassive black magnet of dark matter or whatever, that's changing our that's changing our polar rotate like changing our polar movement. Um, I kind of want to know because I would hate to be out there exploring space in a spaceship and suddenly run into the you know crash into the side of a giant Acme magnet that we couldn't see. Oish. 
every time I try to wrap my brain around this, like I, I look at it and I go, well, what if it's this? What if it's that? What if it's this? What if it's that? And then I look at all of the things that we would have to change about what we teach, what we believe, what we think we know. And down every one of these avenues are questions that need to be asked. They truly need to be asked. At least for scientific purposes. Some of this may all be academic, like legit. God may be acting on this going, okay, we're going to do this and that's going to happen. And then I'm going to draw back the curtain and we're going, and that's it. New heaven, new earth. We're done. I'm not playing this game anymore with you people. And that's well within his, no joke, that's well within his, like, that's what he wants to do. I mean, everything on earth seems to be lining up for that. And as much as I do often say, oh, and I do often say, oh, come Lord Jesus and wipe this all away so we can just, you know, get to the new heaven, new earth thing. There's also part of me that would really, really like to, you know, get in a spaceship and explore. And not going to be able to do that if God draws back the curtains of heaven. Anyway, that's depressing. I'm not leaving on that note. Anyhow, I, so no joke. I want to hear what you think on this. Send me an email at radiofreecatholic at gmail.com. You can at me on Twitter at Mighty Colibri, M-I-G-H-T-Y-C-O-L-I-B-R-I. You can find me on sp3rn.com, assuming that you can get through the, get through the wall. It's, I'm glad it's not a paywall, but <laughs> there is, there is a barrier to admission there. Um, I would like to know what you think, because this is significant. Like we're beyond, if you notice as, as broad reaching as this episode was, the only thing that's kind of crackpot to me, like no joke, I honestly, I would like to not believe that the polls are moving, except that I can see evidence that the polls are moving. And no, sir, I don't like it. Because we're going to have, no joke, we're going to have to ask ourselves a whole bunch of questions that I've already asked, that I've asked. Like, I'm not even kidding. Polls are moving. There are some really big questions that we have to ask. It's that simple. Anyway, let me know what you think. You can email the show. You can send me a voice message. If you're using, if you're listening to this on the Anchor app, you can actually click the little button that says message, and you can actually just talk in, talk into the device and leave me a voice message and tell me what you think. Um, if you're okay with it, I might even put it on the show. So, <clears throat> anyhow, that's enough. That's enough crazy. I honestly didn't expect to go nearly forty-five minutes with this topic. <laughs> I really did not. Um, it's not a whole lot of theology. Well, I mean, there's a little bit. There's implied theology in this topic but it's mostly kind of a what's going on with our world. Anyway, like I said, let me know what you think. Share the podcast. If you happen to know somebody who might have an idea and is will and is willing to shoot me a message about it, share the podcast with, you know, with somebody who might be willing to chime in on it. This is Caleb, the mechanic with radio free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you.
In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.